scripture for today is found in John chapter 20, verses 1 through 2, and then 11 through 15. That's John chapter 20, verses 1 through 2, 11 through 15. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken my Lord away, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right. It's Sunday. Did you realize Easter Sunday can happen in October? It can when you're walking through the Bible. And so we've gotten to this moment, okay, gone through the whole Old Testament, all the darkness of the garden and how sin spread out, the stories of redemption, how God began to make a way for people to come home. We've gone through Jesus' life now. We've gone through the darkness of Friday, and hooray, we get to be here at the dawning light. Let's go back to the light slide, Coleman. That's where we are. We're at the, no? The light of Sunday, right? They go in the darkness. They're expecting to find a tomb. If you've ever been to a funeral, you know how you walk in the doors. The light is dawning. And instead of a corpse, they find an empty tomb. They find angels who say, he isn't here, he's risen from the dead, he's going ahead of you, believe it, it's good news. I mean, this is the best day. This is the day that reorients our whole calendar. This is the day that we have come and worship to celebrate for sure. We hit two things, that God came to us on Christmas, that he rose again on Easter. We hit him every year. It matters, Right? This is the day. And yet, when I read through this in the story, and the story takes all of these accounts and kind of puts them together like the Reader's Digest version, instead of seeing people, because Jesus is alive again, what I would expect is that people would be like, yes, you know, good wins, evil loses, death is destroyed and is no more. Hallelujah. That's what I would expect. And yet when you see what happens to the disciples in Matthew and in Luke and in John, and when I read them all together, I see that instead of jumping into this new reality with both feet, the disciples are just shocked. They're bewildered. And they're doubting. Seriously doubting what we see in these passages are time and time again, it's not just Thomas. Boy, Thomas gets a bad rap. 
every single one of the disciples doubts. Even though Jesus said it, even though the angels are telling about it, even though the tomb is empty, they doubt. Now, you and me, don't we think, like, if we had been there, don't you ever play that game? Like, God, if I would have just been born then and gotten to see that, I would be the most on-fire, amazing Christian ever, right? I would never struggle with doubts. I would never have another problem in my life if I had been there. This question, this, these events, they make me think, well, what would I have done? What would you have done if you were there? Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed this about us? Um, you can have all of these things happen in your day, okay? You go to work or you go volunteer or you go out into your community. A whole ton of things happen, most of them pretty darn good. You get home to your spouse or to someone you love. Somebody calls you on your phone, your mom or somebody, and they're like, tell me about your day. What do you lead with? There is this one really awful thing. Let me bring that out, Right? Let me just tell you about the worst part of my day. This one thing that happened, I have been thinking about it all day, and I cannot wait to tell you about the bad thing. We never lead with the good things, hardly ever. Um, What about your families? Just picture your lovely families for a little while, right? Don't you have a lot of people in your family that you adore? But when you think about your families, you always think about the people who are like, ah, or do you think about that one person who is always going behind your back saying nasty about you? That one sibling, right? That one aunt, that problem person. When I think of my family, I think of that person. Or at work, you can be just killing it, right? Everybody's like, you're awesome. You know, you're meeting all your quotas or your closing deals or whatever it is you're doing. But there's this one person who says, you're just rubbish. Who do you focus on? If you're like most of humanity, you focus on the person who's the problem. We are wired to pay more attention to, respond more quickly to, and integrate more deliberately the negative. Our brains are wired to pay attention to the bad stuff. Now, it serves an advantage because if you're paying attention to the bad stuff, it's going to keep you alive. And so we remember, if you see negative and positive, researchers say, if they give you negative and positive, negative is going into long-term memory. Positive Not unless you're trying. We keep the negative. We hold on to it. We remember it and we dwell on it. It becomes part of us in our hearts. It suffocates, fills up, takes up all the space that these good things should be filling. It just squeezes them out. And that's what we see happening to these first disciples. See, they believed Friday. It's Sunday that they doubt it. 
Think about this. All the horror of Friday. Um, Jesus being flogged, stripped, and mocked. The soldiers jamming the crown of thorns on his head and saying, Oh, great king. See him stumbling as he tries to carry the cross. His hands forced down and nailed to it. It's horrific. And we don't want to see it. But we don't have trouble believing it. The horror of Friday. In fact, y'all, I have never had a person come up to me and say, Pastor Laura, I'm really struggling with my faith, and what I don't believe is that Jesus was hurt. I'm really struggling, and I can't believe that he was mocked. I really have doubts that he was bleeding. It's terrible. We don't want it to be true, but our brains go, oh, yeah, Friday happened. Sunday. It's Sunday when the angels are singing, when life is made new, that we who have this negativity bias built into our heads, it's Sunday we have a hard time with. It's Sunday when our doubts bubble up. And the first thing that I think these writers would want you to know is that that's okay. Okay? The first followers, if you were going to make up a story about a Savior who rose from the dead, the way you'd make it up is that everybody would believe, right? They would have said, Jesus said this was going to happen, and yahoo, start the party. They would have been waiting at the tomb with, like, guitars and a praise band, like, you know, hallelujah, we knew it was happening. It's real, the way they respond. I told you before, they were ordinary people like you and me. They want to believe it. It's just so good. And Friday has taken up so much space in their hearts that they struggle. Look at Mary. Remember Mary? Um, She was one of the people who was at the foot of the cross on Friday who watched her Lord be stripped, be mocked. She watched him gasp for breath. She had heard him say he was going to rise again. But see, have you ever noticed they don't remember that? They remember the bad. And so Mary is at the tomb early in the morning. Angels are there, okay? She's not left to wonder. There are angelic beings saying that Jesus is risen. And then they say to her, after all this has gone on, she's still sitting there just weeping, And they ask her such an important question. The angels say, dear woman, why are you crying? It's Sunday. Why are you still crying? And she says, I'm looking for a corpse. And then Jesus is there in the garden. And through her tears, she doesn't know who he is. And that's possible. She's not seeing him. She's looking for a corpse. He says to her, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Mary says, I'm looking for a corpse. Please show me the corpse. 
Have you ever been asking for a corpse? And the true living reality is standing right next to you. Have you ever believed Friday but doubted Sunday? Because Mary did. What about those two followers on the way to Emmaus? They've heard now what's going on. But if you saw these men walking that seven and a half mile journey, you would just see them wearing their grief like a burden, weighted down with Friday. And suddenly there's a kind stranger next to them. And he's saying, what are you talking about? They're saying, we're talking about Friday. And he says, and they don't recognize him, let me tell you the story, your story of how we got here, how this had to happen, and how it's not the end. And when they get to that place that they're going to, the town called Emmaus, he's going to go on, they're like, no, stay with us. They can sense something, right? Even though their eyes can't yet see it because they're still looking for a corpse. And so they eat dinner and Jesus breaks the bread and suddenly they see it. It's Jesus. It's true. And this whole time he's been walking right next to them. Have you ever been on a long journey carrying a heavy load? with a heart filled of Friday while Sunday's standing next to you. These guys run back. Back seven and a half miles to Jerusalem, and they find the disciples. I told you guys, they're ordinary. They're like you and me. And so they are locked up because they're so afraid they found the safest room inside where no Roman will see them, drag them out, and crucify them. Because in their minds, it's Friday. Even though Sunday has come, it's Friday. So they're in that stuffy, dark space. They've heard that the tomb is empty. They've heard the visions of angels. They've heard the stories of the women. They doubt. And then Jesus is there. And he's saying, it's me. It's me. Look at me. Touch my hands. Believe. And they're still like, they touch and they see. And the Bible says, this is their story, how they wrote it down. It says, they still didn't believe because of joy and amazement. Have you ever been so consumed by Friday that when Sunday comes, it seems so good that it would be dangerous to believe it? And what we see in these stories is that Jesus doesn't leave us stuck in Friday. He comes to his followers again and again, and he says, your story isn't over. Friday didn't have the last word. Because of your failures on Friday, I'm not done with you. I'm welcoming you back. Believe. Again and again, believe. Touch. See. Believe. And slowly, slowly, it never happens like that. It's always a process. Slowly they believe. We're going to talk about that next week, the transformation that happens in their lives. But I tell you what, the whole accounts of the resurrection, if you ended with the gospel, you'd end with a lot of people who have serious doubts. 
that's okay. Because that means there's room for you and me. Because there's another story about a Friday, isn't there? There's the Friday that's filling up your heart. The darkness that is crowding out all the light. The pain that you are carrying on every journey you take. And then there's Sunday. There's Jesus coming to you saying, I beat death. I beat Friday. All the darkness and the evil and the destruction and everything that happened on Friday, it's not the end because Sunday came and your life can be different. Light can shatter the darkness. The positive can fill up your hearts. It can be different if you have the courage to believe, to believe. Now, I, I love this story um, that I'm going to tell about our cross wall. Y'all, if Sunday had never come, we would not have a wall of crosses. Sunday redeemed the cross for us. It turned an instrument of death into a symbol of victory. And there's this family who's here today who the little girl wanted to make a project, and the I think the dad said birdhouse, and the little girl said, that's too complicated, I want to make a cross for the church. So her daddy helped her, probably first or second grade, he thinks, she was just learning to write and spell, he helped her. And she made the cross, and she wanted to paint it, and so they picked out colors, and they picked out colors that little girls like, like she wanted purple and pink and white, kind of like a sunrise. And then the daddy got called away, he went inside the house, He left the project in her hands, and when he came back, she said, Daddy, I put a word on the cross. He was like, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. What word, and is it spelled right, and all this different kind of stuff about what word she put on the cross. But she picked a good word. It says hope. Y'all, hope is a Sunday word. Joy, unending joy, exuberance. The fact that Friday with its darkness doesn't get the final say, but Sunday comes. Sunday comes. And so what I would encourage you to do, all of us who are so full of Friday, is to go stand with Mary at the tomb and to hear Jesus say, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And then hear him do what he did to her, which is call your name. It's the start of a new life. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would help us to... um, Realize that Friday happens, but that Sunday comes. And if I could ask one thing, Lord, I I would ask that you would help us to believe. We who are so prone to look at the negative, to believe the good news. That you really did defeat death. That you really do love us. And that life really can be different. We ask this in the name of our resurrected Savior. Amen.